Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mannequin Chill is back following week one. Today's topic, Shane, not overreacting to one week, not having regrets. Or maybe you do have regrets, but we'll start with that. Have there been any trades you have made and or any trades you have considered where you know you may be regretting them even in a month? Even if you get a little production, how do we keep people from making trades they may regret or considering those types of trades? And... This is the time to admit, have you made any? Have you thought about any? That's today's topic, uh, not having trade regret, but also being smart after just one week of football. So floor is yours. Well, you know what? As we're speaking about this, I am sending a trade offer for Brock Purdy with a 25 first, my 25 first for Brock Purdy. And as you just said that, those words were spilling out of your mouth. I went, I can't do this. And it is now withdrawn. Because here's this. Here's the thing, right? If you're in the position where you're paying a 25 first for Brock Purdy, you're desperate, right? But what does that say about your team? So what happens if there's another injury? What are you going to do then? I'm using a 25 first. I have a 24 first that I'm keeping in my pocket in case of you know in case of emergency. But a lot of people aren't frugal like me. They don't stack picks. They don't have multiple. So one thing you, you should be looking at is okay if I do make this move, what happens if I get one more significant injury? Mind you, it's week one. Right. There is, if everything goes well, another 12 fantasy weeks of regular season. I I forget the math, but there's at least a lot of them. There's more than one. I know that. So just think that through. Is there one more injury to your team after you make this deal? Are you in the exact same situation that you would have been? Is the situation, well, actually, it would be worse because now you don't even have a pick. You know, we talked about a little bit on the live stream the other night. Clay was talking about how he needed to trade. His, his team lost Aaron Rodgers, and now his team is absolutely horrible. He explained a little bit that it's the format, you know, quarterbacks score a ton of points. So I'll say sticking to regular leagues where quarterbacks obviously are valuable. But do I really want to be trading a 25 first for Brock Purdy, knowing that, let's say, my other quarterback happens to be Anthony Richardson on that team? If Anthony Richardson were to go out there and please, Lord, don't let this happen, get injured next week, then what do I do? I trade my 24 first for what? Like I've already set the precedent. I'm willing to pay a 25 first for Brock Purdy. So that means I'm going to give up a 24 first for Mac Jones. And that's what I just did with my assets. I traded what could be valuable assets that are unknown assets for what are likely middling QB twos. Well, let's set the stage because obviously there might be people listening to this that did lose Aaron Rodgers. And they probably had a quarterback room, at least from what I've seen, the quarterback room looks something like Aaron Rodgers and two other types that look like Aaron Rodgers, if you're lucky. So rarely is the Aaron Rodgers on a team that I've seen where, man, he's my QB four. 
he's my QB three and the other two are just completely stacked. A lot of times if you were valuing Rogers, if you held on to him, if you rode him through the potential retirement, it was, he's part of a trio that the strength of that trio is that I have three quarterbacks and all of them maybe can give me some spike weeks, maybe can give me some QB one weeks, but as a whole, it's the power of having three and now there's two. And so now you're sitting there going, okay, that probably wasn't a strength. Now it's not even a strength in numbers. Do I double down by paying a first for essentially an Aaron Rodgers replacement? And the biggest kick in the balls about the Aaron Rodgers situation is you don't get anything back for Aaron Rodgers when he's injured. You know, we talked about that on the stream. Like he doesn't count in trade value. To where you can say, okay, yeah, he's injured for this year, but somebody that is rebuilding will take him on for next year. He's not really even counting as an asset. So it's really a tough situation for that team that's saying, okay, now I need to replace him. Because you know you're not replacing probably a better quarterback, but you're also having to take risk in the form of one of your future picks. Let alone if you've already traded your 24 first, which is what a lot of people do. Then they the next pick they can go to is the 2025. So they're compounding an even bigger problem by essentially blowing away their one flexible pick this early in the season. And that is kind of what you were alluding to is it isn't about is it a fair deal to move a 25 first for X quarterback, even if it is Mac Jones or Brock Purdy? But if you're considering it after week one, when you've had one devastating injury that has ruined a player that's part of your construction, but has also ruined the value of a player to where they don't even count in a trade asset that you can move for something else useful. Now it's like, it feels like you have that one mulligan, you know, we're playing golf, you get one mulligan and you are using it now. And here's the depressing thing. In most leagues, if you're using it in week one, you are chasing other teams that are A, better than you, but B, they still have at least their mulligan, if not more, still ready to use. And you're still not necessarily getting better with them or better than them if you're making the deal right now. So I think that's the tough part is why do you accumulate picks? Part of it is to fix mistakes or fix things that you're wrong with or fix bad luck during the season. But man, it just feels like if you're chasing it in week one, it's like I have that one redo. I have that one mulligan and I'm using it now. And it's probably not even being on used or used on something that I know is a sure thing. Like yeah. I'm taking even there more risk doing it. There you go. And that's the thing, right? You're, you're, sh you're putting it on a, a non-elite asset, an asset that well, what did I just say? It's not elite. Clearly, it's not elite. I hate when we do this. I don't want to make it sound like I'm beating up on one player, right? Like, I was clearly wrong on Brock Purdy. I thought the dude was a flash in the pan. I kind of still do. But I think his upside is limited. I think we've seen, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was what, low Q, uh, high-end QB2, which is what I think Brock Purdy can be. But you really shouldn't be shooting for that as your, your, your big addition to your roster. I say if you're going to do that, and what I'm probably going to do after this is I have a couple of picks, right? I still have the 24. I have the 25. Let me see if I can aim higher. And if I can't, you know what? If my team can't sustain the loss of one player, then it wasn't good enough to compete anyway. And I understand it's super flex. It's not 2QB, right? So that's first of all. If it's 2QB, it's a different thing. You have to have a QB. Super flex, I can rotate in and out. You know, they, I can just flex guys that don't have to be quarterbacks. So if my team can't withstand the loss of one player, even if it is a quarterback and it's a premier player, then it probably wasn't built to compete anyway. So the smart and prudent thing for me to do is either go for a quarterback I actually believe in a little more like Jordan Love, um, <laughs> who I believe in much more than I do Brock Purdy. And I think he has a higher upside. 
or just hold and see what happens. And if the team continues to compete, all right, I got a couple picks in my pocket. Let's see if I can aim higher towards the next few weeks after this. So how much does it matter here if what you lost was a quarterback versus I lost J.K. Dobbins? He was my RB2. And I lost him. I, if I lost J.K. Dobbins, I just look at it as I already kind of planned attrition to happen in his spot. And I'm not in a rush to really replace him with anything more valuable. Yet we don't look at the quarterback position that way. You lose Rodgers, you're panicking. You lose a running back, you're like, eh, okay, it sucks. I was probably counting on Dobbins to give me X amount of starts this year. But it almost feels like if you lost Dobbins, you're not feeling like you're buried for the season. Whereas if you lost Rodgers, you're probably seeing a, a hole on your roster yeah, I mean, that you're feeling pressured to try to replace. So what's the difference there? Because you could argue they weren't that far off in value, but doesn't it feel like the lesson learned is, man, production. If, if I lose a, but if I lose a running back, it almost feels like I kind of already expected that and I don't have the, mm-hmm. I need to go replace it right now where... I lose a starting quarterback and it's even one of three that I had. It it just feels like at some point I am going to feel the the squeeze of not having enough options at that position, which is why people go, hey, let me go pay for Brock Purdy. Let me go pay for Mac Jones. Let me go pay for Matt Stafford. When two weeks ago, I would have never considered trading for Matt Stafford. Like they panic. That's where you see the panic. You don't see it at running back typically. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, there's differences obviously in the value of those players and the values of those positions in the production. But we're also talking about JK Dobbins versus Aaron Rodgers and what we expected out of each. Aaron Rodgers, for example, you probably expected a low QB one season. J.K. Dobbins, if you expected anything more than a back-end RB2 season, you're probably delusional. So the loss there, the perceived loss in your mind, is probably a lot lower for J.K. Dobbins than it would be for an Aaron Rodgers or an Aaron Rodgers type of running uh, quarterback. Yeah, let's talk through the what you do if you hold. Because if you're sitting here saying, okay, I lost Aaron Rodgers, and and let's, let's just say there could be other quarterbacks down the road where this same thing happens, even if it's not a season-ending injury. It could be you're without him for a month or something like that where it literally will drain a third of your season that you're actually hoping for those quarterback starts. Because I would argue that if you were already counting on a guy like Rodgers and now he's gone and it's the worst type of gone, as I said earlier, it goes from he's an asset where it was probably worth more for me to have versus what I could have sold him for, but I also can't sell him for anything. It isn't like, hey, he's going to be out eight weeks. I can still sell him at like half the price of what he would have gone for before. It went from he's worth a hundred to he's worth zero, nothing. And so you can't even like get out at half the price to get something else. It just literally the floor has been pulled out from under you. So with that, I mean, if you're sitting here saying I'm an Aaron Rodgers replacement, away from getting back to being a contender, wouldn't you argue you're not really a contender and you should really be looking closely at, is this the team that I want to maybe consider going the other way and start selling some yeah. maybe veteran pieces like a Hopkins or Keenan Allen or some running backs to where, sure, you may say it's, because here's the biggest thing I want to ask your opinion on. What if you have one of those teams that also has a bunch of those guys to where now you stare at it, the easy move is to, let me go buy another quarterback. The more difficult move is, if I go the other way and I don't want to pay for the quarterback in my league, there's three or four moves now I have to make. I have to go trade Derrick Henry. I have to go trade 
DeAndre Hopkins and Keaton. Like, I know it's going to be more work for me to go the other way, but talk about really doing that assessment. Because I would also argue that if you're that deep and you are that fragile, then this is a house of cards that probably is going to crumble before it gets better. And this might be the red flag that actually gives you the warning early enough so that you don't get stuck chasing to a point where you can't return. Yeah, so there's a few different things going on, right, I think, with teams that had Aaron Rodgers. I don't know many teams that were were built with him as being who they thought was going to be their QB2 all season. Most of the teams that I had Aaron Rodgers on, I I have looked at. I had also have Ryan Tannehill on one of them. A couple of the other ones are Bryce Young and CJ Stroud teams where it's like, all right, well, if he can just get me through that first initial rough month of their career, two months of their career, I can start rolling those guys out. And then infamously, as I discussed last night, had him in several leagues where I just needed him to get me by until Kyler returned. Like he was my QB too, but only in waiting. You know what I mean? Really only in waiting. So now you are put in a position. It's like, well, do I bank on Kyler coming back in four weeks and giving me elite production or at least Aaron Rodgers production, low end QB one production? Can I count on that from Kyler? And like you said, I do need to look at the rest of the team. And sometimes it is a blessing in disguise. It's like, you know what? This team isn't as close to competing as it should be, or at least the window is a lot smaller than I thought it was. The margins were a lot thinner than I realized. And sometimes just taking that one Jenga piece out can make the whole thing collapse. And that's what you need to go, oh, you know what? Yeah, it's more work. I have to sell Derrick Henry. I have to sell D-Hop. I have to sell all these players. But the good thing about that is, is you're still early enough in the season too, where most of the teams still think they believe they can contend. There's obviously some teams in your league that are just punting this year, and it's obvious. But there's a good amount of teams that after week one, because they, they they somehow started Justice Hill and uh, Puka Nakua, that think, hey, maybe I got something here. And they might try to compete and make silly moves like trading a future first for DeAndre Hopkins and another running back. So as, as usual, you just got to be honest and look at your team. Like literally look at the team and go, did that one piece cripple my chances? No matter what position it is, the one player as good as they are shouldn't cripple your chances. Perhaps Tyreek Hill, if he continues scoring 50 points a week, that, that would be my uh, one caveat. But if one player can absolutely cripple your chances, your team's probably not ready to compete. Your team should be a playoff team, even without its best players, one or two of the best players. You should still be a team that can get into the playoffs and make some noise. So let's talk about the overreactions that are not out of bounds that you want to make after one week, because let's just say you weren't victims to the Rogers injury or the Dobbins injury, but you're considering maybe paying what was crazy market price a couple weeks ago that now you're going, you know what? And we talked about this on the stream the other night, a little bit of if you're going to send a future first for a move that is not just bailing you out of something that you were wrong or an injury, right? You're just aggressively going, Hey, let me add another piece. But you're also risking that where you're adding that piece might not necessarily be at a spot that's a massive difference maker. Cause it's really hard to buy like a difference making quarterback at this point. They're very valuable, but let's say you wanted to go buy Zay Flowers. And instead of just paying a future first, now it is a first and a second or a first and two seconds. And you're considering it because he looked really good in week one. He got the usage that you would want from an elite receiver. But more importantly, you're thinking, I'm buying something that is on its way up. I'm buying something that has a little insulation. But what am I trading away, Shane? I'm trading away. Let's say you're the team that has no extra picks. You have a good team, and you think you're a Zay Flowers away from being a great team. So you send your entire 2024 pick set 
for Zay Flowers. First, second, and third, which means you can't buy any more spot start running backs. You can't bail yourself out of a deal by adding a second or adding a third. You go, I want to buy Zay Flowers. I'm, I'm overpaying. But is that the scenario where you would be okay doing that if that's your one ace in the hole? But you can also argue you're buying on the way up. Like, is that an overreaction? Because I've seen some trades where it's go buy, go buy Jackson Smith and Jigby. He'll never be cheaper. Like, go do it now because this is the time to get ahead of it. And in two weeks, it looked like a great deal. What do you think? Yeah, r- real quick on JSN. JSN uh, had a 20% target share in his rookie uh, game. And I know he only played on 56% of the snaps or lower than that, a little lower than that. It, dude, if he hits 20% for the season, we'll be losing our minds over the type of year he had. So the Zay Flowers thing, if you would have paid a first last month, month for him, I'm fine adding a second to it now. Now, would that be the one move I make going, well, this is the move that's going to put me over the top? No, but I would make it under the premise that, you know what? I already liked him a little bit. I saw what I wanted to see out of the first week, even if it was without Mark Andrews, even if I believe a lot of those were screen passes. Um, A lot of it was just underneath stuff, but whatever. He, He got the usage I liked. I don't know that him him in particular is someone that I'd want to do that with, though, because, again, we didn't see him out there with Mark Andrews. It's kind of like Travis Kelsey with the Chiefs. I can't take anything that happened with their wide receivers too seriously, even though they're tight ends. They're the they're the market trend. They're the market centers on those teams. Those guys are the, the hogs. So what do you think about the moves where maybe it's not on the all your picks for Zay Flowers, but it is a you're paying a second for Puka Nakua. You're paying a second for or second and Kendrick Bourne getting back a third, something like that. Like you're you're reacting to a lesser receiver, but you're still chasing the production. And it could be a running back too, but it's easier to give examples of receivers that had big week ones because we know how volatile that is. So do you think there's a, a lesser reaction to where you're giving up maybe a second when it's a fair price, but at the same time, again, what are you trading away? You're trading away the future flexibility. How important is it that you're looking at your team and saying, okay, if I'm going to play Puka Nakua for the next couple of weeks, I could squint and see myself giving up a second. But otherwise, if I'm if I'm not guaranteed to be using him, what are your thoughts on, it's just really about blowing your insurance policy right now versus holding it to when you might actually really, really need it. Any final thoughts on doing that? Like the same thing with flowers, but to a lesser extent? I can't bring myself to pay a second for Puka Nakua. I, I just, I couldn't do it because you know what? This is my process. Do we, do I do this any other time? No. You know what I mean? And if I did, well, then I'd never have any picks and I'd have a bunch of Travis Fulgham shares. I, I don't mean to, to pick on Puka Nakua. It's just that more often than not, we see players like him turn into Travis Fulgham where it's two years later and they're on VH1s. Now, where are they now? You know what I mean? So I, I can't do it. If I'm paying a second in season for a player, there's a thousand percent chance it's probably going to be a running back or a veteran wide receiver like Dehab, Amari Cooper. You know what I mean? Like Tyler Lockett, not right now, obviously, because he got injured. But it's going to be for a guy like that where I know the production. I know what to expect from the production. I could be completely wrong, right? But we're playing possibilities and probabilities. There's a probability of about 70% that Puka Nakua never turns into any. He's just, and there is that 3% chance or that 30% chance, because that's how the math works, that he does turn into something. And if I miss out on him, if he turns into the next, next Steph Diggs, that's on me. I can live with that. But I can live with that more than continually sending future trade assets and, and, and valuable assets 
for guys that flash in one week. You know what I mean? It's not like, obviously, Zay Flowers is a first-round draft pick. It's a little different if you want to pay up for him. His profile indicates that he's probably going to be a hit, as opposed to Puka Nakua getting drafted in the third day. That's a bad process to me. That's the one thing I can I, I can never do. And as much as I say I, want, I, I would hold on to Puka Nakua for like another week just to see what happens, that's about all I could stomach. I guarantee you that. Because I, I went through this before with James Robinson, and that's just the player I ended up missing on, right? I sold him early in his rookie season, and I could have held on to him for more production, and I didn't. But again, you just remember – it's easy to remember those outliers. But if you actually go through, just use Stathead or something like that and just look at the, the, the players that these guys um, compare to, it's generally not a good outlook. Yeah, and a couple things with Puka Nakua, not to give that specific example, but the, the two advantages of not making moves right now on um, buying him is one, his profile was already set in stone as soon as he was drafted. So he had his profile coming in and then he goes in the fifth round, which means even if he continues to play well, there will be more of a buying window than it would be if a much higher profile player was producing the same. So always remember that you can miss on these guys, but you're going to have much more opportunity to miss week after week, month after month to the point where we even talked about this on the stream. Even if Puka Nakua was a top 40 receiver this year, there's probably going to be a narrative next off season of, Hey, he was a fluke, not a good profile. You should sell him, which means even if you don't want to pay the price, he will be readily available in a lot of leagues. That's the first thing. The second thing you made a really good point about trading your second, not a first, but a second for better production. Even if it's shorter term, even if it's a Keenan Allen or Amari Cooper, or DeAndre Hopkins, you're not getting that right now. One, because there's a lot more people trying to contend, which means the person that has those guys is probably like, yeah, I'm going to wait a little bit longer. But as the season goes on, teams fall out of it. And actually the team that is willing to trade picks has a little bit more leverage over the market because there may be more sellers, less buyers, and then there's less time in the season to use those players. So as you get to week 12, if the Keenan Allen manager is four and eight, they're looking at getting the second as well. Sure, I'd like to get more, but the window is very small for me to trade him now. You know what I mean? And the person that's buying is like, man, I got to pay a second and I'm only going to get like three or four weeks out of this guy. But that's when the second can buy you the production versus week one. You go, I'm going to let me pay my second to get Puka now. You could do it, but you can see where it's actually just not smart because you don't know what you'll be able to buy later that you never anticipated was available right now. So just remember that it's a lesson learned. It's only one week. Just be smart about how you react and understand that if you're holding just your picks or maybe just one extra second or something like that, like you have to do a real assessment as to if you need what you're buying. Like you look at your team and you go, I really need a quarterback this week. Let me unload everything I have to get that Brock Purdy. You should probably do a little a bit of an assessment on are you really a Brock Purdy away from contending? Or are you just kind of fooling yourself into thinking you need something that really it isn't that smart for you to go down that rabbit hole? So final thoughts on this topic. I think it's a good one given how much reaction and uh, quite frankly, overreaction is existing out there in the current dynasty space. No, you know, look, just just one thing that I've been thinking about over the last year or two since, since the prevalence in this isn't a shot at them of KTC, the day trading mindset. It's funny because me and you started talking about day trading in dynasty football about like three, four years ago. And now everyone's there. And now I go, you know what? Sometimes just pulling back and not reacting, give it a week. Let, let's just see what happens. I, I don't have to shoot my load as soon as something happens. 
Like it's okay to take the long view sometimes. Yeah. And if you guys like this show, uh, you'll get more of it in the discord every Saturday night, Shane and I do an AMA 9 PM Eastern in the discord, patreon.com slash all gas. There's a dynasty trades in five tier. Join that. You'll get access to the discord. Uh, and we'll get to hear more AMA slash mannequin chill every Saturday night in the discord. So with that, we'll sign off.